Okay, once again, we welcome back House Majority Leader Alec Garnett to the show. He's got some big news. He's prepping the first sports bet in Colorado history. Tell us about that. Hey, guys. Uh, super excited to be back. Thanks for having me on. Every time you guys have on like a power player like Joe Nagoose, I'm excited that I get another invite. Um, and so <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I was just on the phone uh, talking through how sports betting is going to go live on Friday, May 1st, and how I plan to try to prep the first sports betting Colorado history, which is pretty exciting. It would have been probably more exciting if there was actually sports to bet on. I guess there are some sports. There's Russian soccer and there's professional table tennis, though I don't know much about that. So I'm thinking through. You could do a good parlay there. Yeah, parlay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two things you know, I don't know anything about. Is the is the Russian soccer being played in an empty stadium? Is that how are they dealing with the, you know, pandemic? I don't know much about how uh, Putin is is handling it other than um he's doing it through, you know, authoritarian channels. They outlawed the coronavirus. They outlawed it, yeah. Yeah. How do you do <laughs> due diligence and research on Russian soccer and table tennis in order to place your bets? I think I, there's got to be websites for it. I haven't dug into it. There are people who are betting on like people playing EA sports like Madden. Um, mm, I was uh, worried it would get there. We got to a place where I actually was watching. There was uh, more than a million and a half dollars bet on whether or not this one guy could do 2,400 push-ups in 12 hours. No way. Uh, yeah, I watched I it. Actually, I actually watched it all day. I sent the link to my staff too. Did he do it? Uh, yeah, he did it with an hour to spare. He did 2,415 push-ups, and he had like 52 minutes left. Did you bet so on it? I bet with – I put five uh, – Kyle Molka and I bet on it. I took the over. I put five bucks on it. He took the under, and we watched it. So all. that's what Mike Kaufman is doing now. Kaufman could probably – I would bet on the <laughs> over of Kaufman push-ups. As long as they're modified push-ups, he can do them all day. <laughs> In an airport. Uh, so you're going to bet – you're going to bet on the uh, futures bet on the Broncos on, on Friday. That, that's a lot of pressure to the first bet in Colorado. It better, it better be a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the, the rookie better would say, you know, yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just flushing your money down the toilet. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, I do think I'll look through the different lines and that are available to see what the total number of wins that they're predicted to have in the 2021 season and um, and either take the over or the under, probably the over, just so if I promote it on social media that I'm a popular guy <laughs> you in can't, Colorado. You can't take the under. Right? All right. Well, since this is the Get More Smarter podcast, not the Bet More Smarter podcast, we're going to ask you a question here about the legislature, which is allegedly reconvening on May 18th, which is just a couple of weeks from now. Why are you doing that? Yeah. So May 18th, it's it's coming up a lot faster. Um every day uh, that ticks by, uh, we have to come back and we have to pass uh, some essential legislation. We have to pass the budget, the School Finance Act, uh, a, a bunch of other bills kind of fall in that essential category. Uh, we had to do it before the end of June. And actually, we actually we had to do it before the end of May because other uh, entities like school districts rely on those numbers to budget for their next fiscal year, which are due by the end of June. So we actually have to get everything done by June 30th, or I'm sorry, May 30th. Just the spending bills or everything? 
everything you got to do, everything on the whole schedule has to be done then. No, uh, just the spending bills have to be done uh, by then. But I don't think there is a lot of appetite for us to be hanging around in the building for any longer than we have to. So even though the Supreme Court came back and ruled in our favor with that interrogatory saying that we have the full uh, calendar left, I don't think that we are going to use all of those days. We're just going to use the days that we need to to get the budget through, to get those spending bills through, and to get uh, some other COVID-related measures through. Now, since we are still under the safer at-home order and Denver has extended theirs to at least May 5th and they may extend it up to and including, you know, when the legislature reconvenes on the 18th. How are you planning on practicing social distancing in the Capitol when you're voting on these measures? Yeah, so we have had a committee of legislators, one from each caucus, meeting together uh, remotely and doing some tours through the building and working with staff in the building to come up with safety protocols to maximize our ability to conduct business safely. We've looked at what other states have done. We've, we've worked with CDPHE and some of our health experts. We've developed this memo. It's not finalized yet, but it's going to, you know, take, you know, temperature checks of people coming in the building. It's going to, you know, put X's on the, to identify six feet apart, you know, in the hallways We're going to have a different type of seating chart. We're going to have different rules around who's in the well speaking. We're going to have little socks on the microphones. Uh, We're going to have hand sanitizer everywhere. We're not going to, you know, share water, pitchers, all these things down to the minute details we're we're thinking about. And we're trying to create the safest environment possible because we know we're going to have to come back and do some of these things. Are you thinking that there will be hearings where uh, citizens come in and testify on things or has that not been worked out yet final decisions haven't been made on that i think that um it has been a priority of the republicans and some democrats to highlight the importance of the public participating in the legislative process it's different than other branches of government in terms of you know taking the public's testimony as witnesses on in committees and having them watch and listen to the work that we do on the floor i think there are ways that we can encourage people to you know send in written testimony but in terms of banning the public that's a conversation that will come up over the next week or so and we'll have to kind of evaluate what the public health risk is at the time Uh, but probably leaning towards public participation because it is an essential part of the legislative process. So the governor's office uh, economists down on the first floor are predicting anywhere from a three to $4 billion revenue shortfall. Whereas just a few months ago, we were looking at a surplus right now in DC, there's several hundred billion dollars locked up because Mitch McConnell said that state should consider declaring bankruptcy or trimming their budgets or slashing their budgets and firing teachers and cops and firefighters and all that kind of stuff in order to balance their budgets while they're handing out trillions of dollars to corporations. How would, how does this affect the the budget negotiations that you are all going to have to start working on pretty immediately when you get back into the building? I mean, you were looking at a prosperous situation. Now you're looking at a devastating recessionary situation. Yeah, I think just to put a to just reinforce uh, your point right there, this is, I would say, the, the, the fastest, most drastic change 
in budget projections in the history of Colorado, I think that we're looking at one of the most depressing, largest cuts in modern Colorado history when it comes to uh, what we're going to need to do to balance the budget for the t- fiscal year 2021. We have um, we have faced difficult times before, like in 2010, but even in those challenging times, we had months and months to prepare uh, to go through the normal budget schedule, to uh, think through, kick around, and digest different options to help minimize the pain on some of our most vulnerable populations. Like one of the biggest challenges that we're facing now is we're having to make all of these very difficult decisions in a very short amount of time, and there is no easy answers. And so I think we're going to be looking at drastic, drastic cuts that hurt people uh, on the ground. We have no easy options. And it is very, very frustrating, I think, to many policymakers and people who are on the ground to watch as Washington uh, follows the lead of Mitch McConnell and his completely outrageous uh, draconian comments about governments going bankrupt on either the local level or on the state level when the Los Angeles Lakers are getting four you know, million dollars worth of the PPP money, which is supposed to be going to small businesses who are being shuttered uh, because of the economic halt in activity. So, you know, one of the problems with the, any government moving too fast is that you need to make sure you're making the best decisions possible. So that's why on the state level, we're digging in, we're thinking this through, uh, but we're on a tight, tight, fast timeline. And it would be very nice and very helpful if the feds could step up and help us out uh, because that's what the people that's what the people expect. They don't expect the Los Angeles Lakers getting their uh, tax dollars. They expect those tax dollars to come into their local governments to help protect them. With all this uh, big changes to the budget happening in, in such a quick period of time, how do we know that the budget you're going to be able to put forward will even still make sense in two or three months? Is that something you have to go back and how do you fix that? Yeah, and that's something that uh, we have done before. In 2010, I think they went in and rebalanced 12 different times. I think you'll you'll see the Joint Budget Committee uh, using a future quarterly economic forecasts to come back in and to rebalance. And we'll, what they can do is they can they can rebalance adding to the budget that we passed, but they can't actually cut from the budget we passed. So there is a strategy in us coming in and, and, and passing the most bare bones budget that we can with the hopes that either, I mean, one, you know, hopefully with accurate numbers, but knowing that those numbers are going to change, especially in these ever changing economic times that we're in. But if, as economic activity starts to pick up, and I think the, the fundamentals of our economy, you know, were fairly strong. So I think once the economic activity starts to pick up uh, and, and additional money starts coming into the state, uh, the Joint Budget Committee will be able to add that in as we go along. So there will be a lot of rebalancing throughout the fiscal year and, and throughout the interim uh, to help account for that. And if if Mitch McConnell and, and Corey Garner step up and help out Colorado towns uh, across the state in every region with like a new COVID-5 or a CARES-5 and, and additional money comes in to help those struggling localities, then the Joint Budget Committee will be able to to address that through uh, their meetings outside of uh, official session. 
we've mentioned this before. I just should add, since I don't think we, we said it today, that, that the legislature is constitutionally required to submit a balanced budget every year. So it's not like you're you're rushing to do this because of you guys just think it would be fun. <laughs> and you can't just, even declare bankruptcy. Like that's not an option available to the state of Colorado. There are certain special districts and maybe even municipalities and counties that might have that tool available to them, but it's not available to the state of Colorado. Like Jason said, you all have to cut down to a balanced budget and then you'll have to come back in and, and deal with it if things continue to get worse. Well, yeah. And I think another thing that's really important to know is that while we're in this extraordinary time, the feds have got to step up and help us uh, because if they don't, we're going to have to tap the reserves. And the thing is, we are not in a situation where uh, the, the future budgets facing Colorado are going to get any better. I actually think they're going to get worse. I think the toughest budget that Colorado is going to face is the is the next one. And so if we aren't able to um, get help from, from the feds, then we're going to have to tap the reserves. And if we're tapping the reserves now, then we're going to be in even more of a dire strait uh, next year in the, in the next, in the next two fiscal years. So I worked in the Capitol during the 07 to 2010 recessionary budget nightmare where we were cutting about a billion dollars out over that period of time. And that was a much smaller overall budget serving a much smaller state. Colorado had not yet seen our huge population boom of roughly 25,000 people moving here a month for a couple of years in a row. So we're talking like very different situations, but Back then, Democrats were in the majority in the House and the Senate, and we had a Democratic governor, John Hickenlooper. And I recall very strongly that Republicans used this opportunity to, you know, go after us for all the hard decisions we had to make. There were 13 loopholes that the legislature decided to close that were handouts to big businesses and corporations, everything from those Valpac coupons to, I'm not joking, the bull semen tax deduction. Uh, that was used by ranchers and all that revenue had to come back in in order to help make sure that we could shore up the funding for our schools and higher ed systems, which took a gigantic hit back then. Republicans then turned around and used all of that, all of those bloody budget cuts in the next election cycle to say, look at all this horrible stuff these Democrats did. They cut your schools and they did these dirty dozen tax hikes, right? There were 13 of them, but they decided to just go ahead and round down. What do you think the politics are here? Have you guys started talking with your Republican counterparts in the legislature to see if you can come to some kind of bipartisan agreement on this? Or are they just going to obstruct and not be helpful and bring the same kind of BS they did last year and try and pin it on us all during the election? It's a really interesting question. It's one I've thought a lot about. I have definitely reached out uh, to Patrick and uh, we spoke yesterday. Uh, We didn't really get into details Um, I know that Kim Ransom, who's their joint budget committee member, uh, was going to have a call with them yesterday and was going to kind of start to outline some of the realities that we're looking at in terms of, you know, different levels of percentage cuts to all these different departments. Um, I hope that they come to the table and and they work with us to make these tough decisions uh, because we don't have a choice. You know, they talk all the time about their fear of the state you know, empire building and budgets growing. And this is why Tabor is so important. Well, if if we have to come in and make these tough decisions to to cut the state budget, uh, it would be pretty hypocritical of them to then turn around and make uh, those cuts uh, politically advantageous. But, you know, we're in pretty partisan times. Uh, If we run into opposition 
in uh, the chamber as we have to govern. It is what it is. And when we go out on the campaign trail and, and we continue to fight on behalf of Coloradans and we articulate why we had to do what we we had to do, uh, you know, a lot of this is going to fall at the feet of Cory Gardner and Donald Trump. So they have to be very, very careful of how partisan that they make this, because in the end, uh, their party is the one driving the ship. There were a lot of uh, big policy ideas that we we talked about here on the show that that were starting to move in the legislature. Things like a public option, uh, family leave was up and down, collective bargaining for state employees. Are all these things essentially off the table this cycle because or, or this year because of uh, all the changes? Yeah, that's a tough conversation that we are having and we're trying to figure it all out. Uh, I think for the most part, the answer is, you know, we got to go one at a time and kind of have one-off conversations. There are reasons why, you know, paid family leave and, and paid sick leave make a lot of sense in, uh, in this type of environment. Uh, as we look at what this has done to workers up and down, you know, there was a list of the highest unemployment numbers out of cities across the United States that came out today in, in Colorado had three of the top 10, uh, Aurora, Denver, and Colorado Springs. So Colorado has been hit especially hard. And so thinking through those types of programs that would help those workers, I think is important. But again, because of the budget shortfalls, it, it really puts us in a very difficult position to actually move on this type of legislation. Uh, and in the end, I think things have to be COVID related and, and COVID focused. That's what the public expects us to do, to step up uh, the economic relief and on the uh, on the healthcare side. Um, and then we're going to have to you know, adjourn and go back and fight in November and come back in in January and pick up the pieces and start to govern again. The budgetary tools available to the General Assembly are pretty limited in terms of what you can actually choose to cut when you have to make these tough decisions. Do you have any sense of which pots of money are sort of the, the places where the Joint Budget Committee will start going after first in order to try and balance this impossible budget? Yeah, it's, I think for the really big discussions, you know, you look at uh, what makes up the vast majority of our budget. I think, you know, K-12 is like 36% of the general fund. You know, I think healthcare, uh, Medicaid in particular, is, you know, around the same percentage. Uh, you look at DOC, which is our prisons, that makes up about, you know, 25% of the uh of the of the general fund. And so when you look at these different pots, those are those are big pots. It's hard to cut the Department of Corrections, you're talking about offenders, you're talking about prison guards. Uh, so there's not a lot in there. And so there aren't, a, there aren't good decisions that are facing anyone right now. The Joint Budget Committee staff put out a series of memos, hundreds and hundreds of pages of memos uh, from each department about what cuts the Joint Budget Committee could consider um, sort of smaller programmatic cuts that add up to quite a bit of money. And so those went public on Monday. I think everyone's sorting through those, looking at what options are available. And then I think some of the bigger discussions about uh, what, you know, what big cuts will have to come. You, you can't have yet because you don't have an economic forecast. You don't have a number to balance to. And so I think on May 11th, or May 12th, the um, Joint Budget Committee will be getting their economic forecast, and then you'll have a number, and then uh, they'll have the hard decisions of, of how to get to balanced, uh, a balanced place after that. It might be too early to even think about this, but going into the 2021 legislative session, do you think you're going to have to do things differently to accommodate uh, everything that got kind of left behind 
this session? Yeah, there's going to be a ton of thought gone in, you know, that has to go into the 2021 20, uh, session. I mean, are we going to be in a place where we don't have to socially distance or some of the safety protocols going to still be in place for us to be, you know, wearing masks and, um, you know, trying to think through, you know, committee rooms and, and, and socially distancing where the public is sitting and where members are sitting and are we going to be out of this thing yet? Um, and so I think that's, you know, going to be at the forefront of our minds as we continue to navigate this unprecedented pandemic. And then um, there's going to be a lot of legislation that was going to make it through this year that, you know, just didn't get a chance to, that's going to be sort of uh, waiting in line in queue to, to go in 2021. And so um, we're going to have to kind of work through that and then work through the new ideas and the new reality that we may be living in, uh, in, in 2021, in terms of other additional things that we need to do to help uh, the most vulnerable, the people who have been most negatively impacted by uh, COVID-19. You know, obviously the budget situation is going to be very tough. So 2021 is going to be a challenging year for uh, the legislature, but those are going to be challenges that we start to dig into after we get through the what's right in front of us. Colorado House Majority Leader Alec Garnett, thank you so much for joining us on the Bet More Smarter podcast this time around. Good luck with all your tough decisions. We will be watching and hopefully getting more chances to speak with you as you get through this nightmare. And uh, we're glad that you're at the helm during this and not someone with people's interests less at the top of mind. So thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on and uh, look forward to catching up soon.